Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, who do we have as our victim today? Oh, he's not a victim, John. He is very much the oppressor. No, not in fact. That's not the case. We have Dan Brillian. He is from Unitas, CEO and co-founder, and we are very lucky to have him along because they've been doing all sorts of interesting things throughout the pandemic. Can't wait to discuss. Dan, welcome. It, it, tell us a little bit about how you got inspired to uh, start this company. Yeah, so we started the company in 2013. So we've been around a while um, in the space. Uh, but we, we started the company back in 2013, initially focused on the military and veteran population. So I'm an Air Force reservist. I still uh, fly for the Air Force uh, today, 15 years into the military. Uh, and in my early days uh, in the military, I was deployed a lot to the Middle East and uh, came back. And a lot of veterans I served with started coming to me about all their health, government benefits, and social service issues as if I could solve them. Um, became very frustrated with trying to navigate them through those services. Um, they're all big silos of medical and government and, and social services. And uh, and and really ended up writing a paper about it in business school. Uh, met my co-founder as an army guy um, and uh, really wanted to go solve this problem from a technology lens and really saw that the market, uh, you know, 10 years ago was all trying to serve people's needs, but just in a very fragmented way. And so we wanted to bring that all together into one new care ecosystem that focused on overall health, not just the medical world and, and how we coordinate in the medical world. So, you know, it's really great that we started in that population. We we knew it really well. And, and also, you know, looking nine years forward into this business, it was, you know, really a, a good way to uh, look at the whole population because military is very diverse. It is every age, race, economic, socioeconomic status. It's Medicaid, it's Medicare, it's uninsured, it's everywhere. Um, and so, you know, getting that type of, of, of population served in a very diverse way, um, I think led us to the success we're at today when in 2018, um, we said, uh, not only do we want to serve veterans, we want to serve entire populations. We want to serve the constituents of entire states, right, and serve the entire country in a new model of overall health and care. Well, you know, why were why were veterans coming to you specifically on this topic? Had you already established some expertise on it yeah. when you were in the service? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm actually an expert in nothing. Um, so I had no expertise in it. I was a finance background after Yale. I worked in um, in venture after business school. And so they came to me because they trusted me. And because they trusted my co-founder to solve problems, um, and as we all know, care—you know—as we define it, is very broad in nature. It's not medical care. Care is—it's local. It's between trusted relationships. And so, they came to me with different issues, and it wasn't just always one. It was multiple. So that required multiple agencies. Um, and you know, I reaching out to those in, in those organizations individually and telling the story over and over again on behalf of someone I was trying to help. You know, it was very, very frustrating. And it also just showed how fragmented right, care delivery really was in communities and how we had to bring it all together. So Dan, when you think about the military background, uh, you know, I, I, I spent a little bit of time in the reserve and you definitely feel like you know, you're, it's not always a comfortable system, but it feels like a system where the first thing you learn as an officer is you take care of your troops. The first thing you learn as a troop is you take care of your, your peers. Um, and then that sort of stops when you when you leave the, the military. How much of that ethic do you think informs how you approach kind of trying to rebuild a, a fractured healthcare system? And how does that ma kind of manifest itself in, in your mission and what you try to accomplish every day? Because we all live in this really, you know, broken healthcare system. 
Yeah. I mean, you give me the chills just just asking that question because it's really nine years later into this company, it still like rings a bell for us in how we approach our work. And so, you know, we have we have over a thousand people now at this company and and we have an employee, a team member in every every state except for Alaska, right? So we're everywhere in the sense of we're local. And so what that means for us is we have 300 people uh, um, of, of this company that are community engagement managers, then their job and their important job on the ground is to bring these organizations together. It is to actually stitch together the network that is, does not exist. And so we never thought it was someone's full-time job in industry to do this. It wasn't government's job. It wasn't health plan's job. It wasn't health system's job, right? And so not only do we bring the technology that connects all these nodes and these organizations together to, to actually coordinate as a collective, but we felt it was also our obligation to make sure that actually happened, right? And not just be that technology that, is, of course, is the enabler that produces the results that we show. But ultimately, someone has to do with the community, not just you know us alone, to actually do that groundwork. So every day, it is is a lot of passion at this company because um, that is what it takes to get it done. And you know, when we started this company nine years ago, it was us doing that on the ground with these organizations on behalf of the veterans that we serve uh, that we served with. Um, and we we don't forget that, right? And we know how important it is and how we how we think about our networks ultimately on the ground is can it serve me? Can it serve my family? How do we make sure this is, you know, ready, you know, to, to serve someone when they need it? Um, and ultimately, that's that's why every network that that we that we build and empower across the country not only can serve a veteran and military population, right, but can serve all populations. Dan, can we get a little more specific about the type of organizations you're talking about? You know, I'm hearing that it's beyond healthcare. You're talking about health. There's a lot of organizations loosely mm -hmm. working on that. Sounds like they're not uh, coordinated. What's sort of the novel approach that you've taken at Unitas? And what were some of the you know lessons learned along the way to actually get to this point? Yeah. So when we think about, you know, when, when someone says the word community-based organization or the term, it is a very broad term to us. What it really means, it is not a health plan. And is not a health system, right? Um, or, or a delivery system, and that's an important distinction because you know we when we talk about community-based organizations, they are also covered entities. They're also you know quasi-medical providers. They can be FQHCs, but also what we're connecting them with is non-clinical services, right? We're talking about transportation, financial assistance, income support, government benefits, um, you know, housing and shelter, which goes from not just, you know, the typical shelter that we all think of, but also permanent housing, right? How do people get from, you know, the shelter to temporary housing to permanent housing? It includes churches. Churches are part of our network. Now, they may not be re receiving electronic referrals, but we know there are access points where people present needs, right? And so these are all new types of access points that we're creating for an ecosystem where someone can present a need, whether it's a medical need, a non-medical need. And our network is gonna be there to make sure that only we can get them there efficiently because it's of quality and accountability on the other side. Um, but ultimately they're gonna know what the outcome is, right? Um, and, and how that happened in a very protected and secure way. So when we talk about our network, it ranges um, and it is very broad. We think about sometimes where do people show up? In North Carolina, we brought in barbershops, right? So barbershops are where people present needs. Again, they may not be service providers in the sense of, you know, big H and little H when we talk about HHS, but they are access points where people present needs. And so they become users of our software to get people in the network to make sure they get the services they need. So overall, this is bringing every kind of piece of the supply chain, if you think of, of care into the ecosystem. They may not all be suppliers of that care. They may be nodes that enter them, um, you know, and get them connected to that point. I mean, is it is it is maybe is the right way to look think about it, Dan? Is you're solving for 
not just the the traditional health care, but the social, emotional, and spiritual health of the people who are probably some of our most vulnerable folks in society. I think of all of the the veterans who are, are suffering with long-term PTSD or um, suffering from from homelessness. That if we look at them purely from a a, a transactional healthcare system, they're going to fall through the cracks. But like so many other chronically ill people, if we don't address the physical uh, and the financial health, then I think the 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 the, uh, the rest of the health health is, is going to deteriorate. Is that the right way to think about it? It's more a more holistic approach to reforming healthcare. So Dan, before you Dan, before you answer that, before you answer that, you should know that John. Gives me a special spanking if I say social determinants of health. So you might want to choose your words carefully. It's a terrible phrase. <laughs> it's a terrible phrase. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it is. It is a term that I learned in 2017, four years into this business. So I didn't know what the term was when we started the company. Um, but nonetheless, I, you know, people identify with it. But ultimately, we think about an ecosystem of, of care is health you know, space care and social space care, right? Those two things coming together and they're both very broad in nature in, in, in what they represent. But I think John, to your, to your exact point, this is talking about, you know, when people say whole person health, right? Or population, how do we address the whole person? This is what we're talking about, right? It can't be done in a doctor's office. It can't be done in the hospital setting. Those are two, those are factors in, the, in where pieces of care are delivered, right? Um, or assessed. But everything else, think about just like our world, you you know, all of us, we're, we're, we're consuming things as consumers within a mile of our home, right? Or five miles of our home. We're not, you know, we're not going to travel. Um, so we're, we're to, to do all that stuff unless it's obviously a necessity, but like we're consuming things that are much closer to us, right? And the medical world, you know, I, I think is adapting to, I think they're understanding that they need to get closer to people. That's why you think about, you know, CVS health hubs, right? People are delivering different types of care in a community-based setting. And so the way we think about our work is how do we actually surround that person in the community versus just in the hospital out to the community? Um, and that's why these networks are so powerful. And that's why the, the the data and the analytics and the outcomes that they produce are so far powerful because we're bringing the ecosystem together to the client um, versus telling them where to go and they have to go get it there only to be then referred back out, right? Um, where it's kind of too late. So Dan, I pays, the companies like who who pays you to bring people together? Like as you think about it, Dan, who yeah. pays to 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 have you do that advocacy and connection? Yep. So th think about the people who want the connection. Um, so a third of our business is about health plans. A third of our business is health systems. A third of our business is governments. Um, and in there is also HIEs, our customers, um, large kind of philanthropically funded organizations that are like collaboratives in the sense that they've already brought these organizations together. There's a lot of um, funding coming in either through government grants and film, you know, philanthropy to like coordinate all of this stuff, right? So that, that they can actually produce the impact that they want to as a collective. Those are our customers. The end users, like the social services, do not pay for our technology. And ultimately, everyone at this point has been kind of asking Unite Us, you know, we've been doing this for nine years. Like, oh my gosh, this is what you've been doing for nine years. You've been building thousands of connections with this whole supply side that now delivers this care together in a non-clinical setting. Like, this is what everyone's wanted. They're, like, I've been wanting to connect with 700 organizations in, you know, in this city, right? And now you've built that all for me because they're all actually working together. So that's been the hard work we've been doing over for, for nine years that I think is really coming to fruition. Um, but ultimately the end users, you know, 
know, of the of the coordination software um, that are are working together in the community don't really pay. They don't not pay for for the software itself. Dan, it's great to hear um, you know that you're knitting all the services together from the perspective of the you know the patient or the end end user. But the organizations, I mean, what is the dynamic among them? Does everybody feel this is great? I want to be knitted together. I mean, a lot of these organizations have very specific uh, missions, maybe populations that they serve. I mean, what's the, what's the dynamic like? I'm, I'm sure it varies, but I'd be interested in some of the lessons learned along the way. Yeah, I think one of our, it's both a challenge and an opportunity. So we have a very diverse user base um, and, and customer base, which is good, but it's also challenging because you have to build a technology that is useful and valuable, right? And brings efficiency, um, brings better analytics, right? It brings cost saving um, to the whole. Um, and so that's always been an opportunity in the sense of we had to build something that both a health plan could use, a homeless shelter could use, right? A substance use clinic could use, and a government agency can use. And we validated that, right? And that's great. And it saves them, one, even just thinking about programmatic in- improvements, you know, we're saving the majority of their time because they used to sit there and either Google search or use a directory, right? And say, here's what's available to me, print it out, hand it to the client. I hope you get what you need, spend an hour trying to follow up with the client, right? So replacing that for a few minutes, huge value. The, the different part of though is, you know, now that we have a, a very diverse customer base, right, that requires a lot of innovation on our side. So we have to work inside of EMRs for our healthcare providers. So we have to have an application that's, you know, fully embedded in, in the medical record system so that it's all in the workflow. They don't have to type in the patient again um, and moves to the CBO. They get the feedback loop, all that stuff back. Um, so it, I call it a, an opportunity and a challenge because it is so diverse in nature, but it is also required to do this work, right? If you don't have a network that can serve people's needs and it's very narrow and only serves a couple of use cases, yeah, it becomes easier and you only focus on that use case, but that's not what we're doing, right? Back to the whole definition of what we're trying to prove in the whole health um, approach. So what's more important, Dan, the putting together the network together or putting together the software that won't allow anyone to fall between the cracks and will make sure that what they are assessed and the needs they're assessed for actually get solved for in, in a, and again, a pretty disconnected uh, universe, whether it's, you know, in Newark or New Haven. So when, when we look at our company goals, we break them down into a couple of things that actually are fairly equal in nature around um, the customer experience, right? Or mark kind of what we call market penetration in the sense of, are we building the right network for people? Um, and does the, and does the network work for people ultimately? And so those two go in hand in hand. So why our business is so exciting is that obviously we lead with technology. Ultimately, if people are not on our network and not on our technology, then they're, then they're doing it the old way, right? Then they're, ultimately they're going back to paper. They're ultimately people are falling through the cracks. They are not able to answer, where is Dan Brillman gone? Did he get that service, right? And you know, did I save time? And can I prove that? right? People don't have that. And so technology goes hand in hand with our community engagement because they're all aligned to the same thing. And so that's why, you know, the operation that we built over nine years with technology and this community engagement approach, they go hand in hand together. We don't decouple them and they won't work without each other because our technology is the only thing in this market that can do that, um, you know, and do it at scale. And then ultimately someone's got to help work with those community-based organizations to help them, you know, move, um, you know, from a technology lens, help them support them. And obviously we're helping them support into payments now, right? So that's a new evolution that we're getting into already um, from a financial incentive approach. So they really go hand in hand. 
Yeah. Tell me a little bit more. I mean, first of all, I love the fact that you're building accountability into a system that's never been accountable before. And accountability is hard unless you, you've got that connected ecosystem. But how is payments going to work? And how, how, are you, how, are you, how are you creating that as a, as yeah. a closed loop? Work? Yeah. So, you know, everything that we've done on payments is on top of our referral network. So you have to have the network. You have to know how well they're performing, right, in the network. And so we have network health standards that we make visible to every stakeholder to say, this is what our expectations are. This is all of our, not Unitas expectations. This is what the community as a, this is why it's so beautiful. They agree on a standard together. They say, this is what we're signing up for. When I join this network, this is how long it should take me, right, to accept this referral based on what I do. This is how long it should take me to serve that client. It's transparent, right, in a secure way. And so everyone agrees on that. It's not a Unita saying, this is what you have to do world, right? This is a community-driven world. This is why it's such is so great for the long term. And so once you know that, our customers, governments, philanthropy, state, um, and, and health plan stakeholders, they are now seeing where their members are going. They're seeing what's being consumed. They see how we can actually double and triple down, right? So once you see something, especially as an entrepreneur or anyone, right, you double down on that good stuff. And everyone's saying, how can we actually invest in these organizations now? How can I pay these organizations to do it faster? How can I do it better? They're also capturing information about my members that I like, it would take me five years to, to figure that stuff out, their needs, because it's happening in community-based setting. And so now we say, hey, you're, they're already on our network. They're already reporting these outcomes to each other. Now we can automatically shoot an invoice out, not have to medicalize their approach. And they're all doing the same thing. That doesn't really have to change. Um, which is great. And so we're seeing that already in a couple of states where, where payments is now being delivered to these non-medical services in a very different way than they were they were funded before. So Dan, it sounds like, you know, you've been working on this for nine years, as you say, you had some of these insights that, that came along and now kind of the world is getting on board. And part of that is reflected in your, you know, very rapid growth. You raised, I think, $150 million earlier this year. You bought a couple of companies with cool names, now pow. And Carrot Health. I mean, where 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 are you taking things, and how you how are you spending this uh, money? You also have some famous investors, of, you know, more famous than John or me. <laughs> so you know, when we raised our Series C, we there was a couple things we said to ourselves. One is why aren't we everywhere, um, and why aren't we in every single county in this country? Um, we know it works. We know when we get there and we build this out, and we and the community's on board. Everyone gets on board. It works, and people buy into it, right? So that was, uh, we said, why aren't we everywhere? And so for when the Series C, we said we're going to be across every county in this country um, by the end of 2022. And though, so that required a ground game in every state. Um, and so where where there were places we didn't exist, we are now we are now in existence. And we have that network. Um, so that was the first thing that we needed to invest in, right? We call this this infrastructure. Once you have this infrastructure in place, there's a lot you can build on top of that. There's payments, right? There's predictive analytics, which we'll get to our acquisition of Carrot Health. Every single customer base wants similar things. They want not only do they want the network to serve people, right? They want to serve them quickly. We know our uh, our network health metrics. Fifty percent of the time, people getting served um, enrolled in the same day across 155 different services. Eighty-four percent of the time in the same week across the country, right? These are very, you know, like we built that that machine, that that great ecosystem that everyone is a part of now. Now they want more. They want to say they they're asking us questions like, who should I put in this network, right? Where how can I best identify um, you know, the needs of the people that I'm trying to serve, my member base as a health plan, my health system, my patient base, governments want to know how do I best design benefits for my constituents and how do I best operationalize that? 
And then how do I pay for these services? And so all of those things, we wanted Unite Us to be that place to go. And that's why we built these products on top of our network, but it all runs off of the network, which is important, right? So predictive analytics, we already we have that already in the market. People are using that to say, hey, we should actually be outreaching to people that are actually at risk for homelessness so that we don't have to wait till they're homeless to then go is identify that carrot? the problem. I mean, just to kind of pull it apart, is that what Carrot Health does? Exactly. So Carrot Health was the, they were the, the fastest growing analytics company. We looked a, a lot at the market and the assets that we were looking for. They had 600 predictive models. Um, they brought in consumer data across the nation into those predictive models. They also manage a lot of claims data. So if you think about, John, the world of health, we look at, you know, in healthcare, we look at health as medical, right? Medical claims, medical cost. Now you're looking at medical and social together as a journey. You're looking at Dan Brillman's social care history. You're looking at the medical history. Well, you can better I mean, predict Dan, the future. Dan, as you, as, you, as you know, momentum in, in, in a lot of that purchasing statistics will predict a healthcare problem that you could never get in, you know, in, in a priori health data. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting, you know, because again, you're, you're dealing with some catastrophic either situations or pot potential things happening to folks that directly tie to a healthcare crisis. I mean, it's 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 really exciting if you can kind of bring it together, and and then if you assume you you have that information, you've built that model. You know, David's having a bad day. We 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 know from the model it's only going to get worse. What happens, and and how how do you intervene before the fact in in order as opposed to after the fact when he's going to need a lot of therapy? Yeah, so that's a great question. So that's that's also why the platform, our software, our coordination platform, sitting in, in the hands of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of users, we can flag those. We don't call them risks, John. We call them opportunities because they are opportunities to solve those needs prior to being risk, right? And so I know healthcare uses risk. We're not, and so I, I, we use opportunity for that purpose. And so you can tell, so you know, we can tell hundreds of thousands of users that Dan Brillman right, may have a score. And we can, obviously, we present that a little bit differently for housing, financial insecurity, transportation, mobility, um, social isolation, right, but also, you know, the things that they are falling behind in medical, right. So all of these things together, you can flag certain ones. The most important part is what the community based organizations love is we can tell them their opportunities for their, their people. Right. So the people that they serve. So we can tell them you should ask them about housing, even though you're a food organization. Right. Which gets this upstream ecosystem more energized and catalyzed prior to the clinical world saying, oh, my God, we're too late. Right. Now they're the highest part of the pyramid. We got to go focus on them. This is about putting analytics in the hands of also the community because they're the ones ultimately solving the end problems, too. So I have a last question. John may have something else. But uh, Dan, I heard you talk at one point, I saw it written about a health data rush. And I thought you were going to talk about something going on in the industry. But hearing you speak, I think you're talking about the rush that you get talking about health data. So which which is it? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if there's a health, there's always been a health data rush. That is not a Unite Us thing. I don't think we're in a, you know, in a race for that necessarily. There's a million other companies trying to, to rush us. The biggest problems that we see is nobody has a full picture of the patient, right? Or the client or the member. No one has that full picture. They have pieces of a story. Every community-based organization has their own story prior to Unite Us. The health system, they have their EHR, right? For us, we're the mesh between that. We're bringing that story together 
so that one, we're stopping duplicating work that is already being done, which ultimately comes back to the client in need, like we're wasting their time, right? Because they're answering 900 more questions for the same freaking reason. There's And you're like, someone already asked me this six times, I told you I need housing. Someone get them housing, right? So it doesn't have to happen in the medical, it's too late for that type of stuff. So ultimately, I think what people ask us for, it ultimately is, I wanna know more about the people I'm trying to serve so I can better create programs for them that serve them better and efficiently. Um, and so that's what we've been bringing to the table with predictive analytics, right? With our service delivery and in, in the networks and we're bringing that and, and through payments, they wanna know who to pay for, right? And what services to pay for. So bringing that all together obviously is key. We're one piece of the story, by the way, right? There's there's a lot of other successful organizations out there um, that ultimately have platforms and, and data and analytics, but we're, we're one big piece of that story for sure going forward. And how did Matthew McGonaghy get involved in the <laughs> company? So, you know, Matthew has has had a foundation um, for several years. And, you know, we, we just had him, thankfully, on this uh, on our uh, town hall last week. And, you know, I think one of the things that that made him really feel he's been investing in impact for a while. And I think he gets uh, frustrated with the status quo for sure and wants to you know, invest in generational businesses that can be consumed by his children, his grandchildren. He wants to leave a legacy in that way. And also, you know, when he talked about in the um, in our town hall, he was, you know, when when Texas and the hurricanes happened, right, there was millions of dollars that he helped raise to put that into practice, right? And saw how fragmented it did it was for people trying to access all these services. And so, you know, when he heard about our company, he was like, this obviously he literally said in our prep call, he was like, this just makes total sense, right? This makes total sense. This is needed everywhere. Why isn't this everywhere? Let's get this everywhere. Um, so I, we're really energized about his investment in the company. Great. Well, we that- should be talking to him about this, David, not Dan. I can, I'll do my best. All right, John. <laughs> I was you know, we were ending on such a positive note, John. I think that's a good place to end it. Now, that's it for another edition of Care Talk. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening. And Dan, you continue to inspire us with the work you're doing on the ground and with technology. And I'm, we're so excited as a fellow vet to see that you're bringing those same values of community and making them, putting them to work on the ground and in, in markets all around the country. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure.